The David and Ronnie Show. I'm David. And I'm Ronnie. And today we have a special guest. Her name is Kim. She is a local teacher to Florida, and we will be talking about education today. Yeah. Oh, funny. <laughs> hi, Kim. Oh, hi, Kim. <laughs> oh, hi. How are you today? I'm good. Um, so... You're a teacher. You want to give us a little background on what you do as vague as possible um, or as specific, your choice. I teach high school. Mm-hmm. I've been teaching for eight or nine years. Do you want me to remember one of those two? Eight or nine. Eight or nine. Perfect. Eight or nine. Awesome. That's it. Cool. That's all you get. So, um... I don't know. Should I? I don't know. Should you? What are we going to talk about? I don't know. We should probably keep it anonymous for now. All right. Anonymous it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan, do you want to go ahead and kick this off? I know you said you had a lot of questions. Yeah. So, where are we fucking up in the education system? Let's, let's, Ooh, let's just get right to the point. Right to it. <laughs> where do we fuck up? <laughs> It's a very vague question. Let's ask Probably more specifically. A lot of answers. So, where is the biggest disconnect between what government thinks will work and what will work in the education system? Is that better? That is better. I think one of the biggest problems that kids are facing today mm-hmm. is over testing. Okay. Um, There are plenty of ways to make sure that kids are learning what they're supposed to be learning. Mm -hmm. And standardized testing is what has been the bench line or the benchmark for a long time. The problem is, is that then they decided to make a standardized test for every single course that students take so that not only do they have the big tests in, you know, third grade, fifth grade, seventh or eighth grade, right around there, <clears throat> then they have them in ev- for every course in high school every semester. So then all the time that it takes to test the kids because you have to find computer labs to test them in mm-hmm. um, and you have to schedule all of the students that take all of those courses and sometimes a testing window is a month or two long. So then in high school, particularly, then you have a class of, we'll say 36, like some of my classes, and there'll be one of those tests on one day. And so you have half of your class missing or 10 of the kids missing. And then the next day, maybe some of those same kids are missing because they're taking another test and five different kids are missing or seven different kids are missing. So when they have those testing windows, they're missing information that's vital from all of their other classes. So because there's so much testing, they literally have time constraints and there's not enough time to teach them and to test them. And then they have holes in their knowledge because they're missing classes to be tested so it's just like an endless cycle. So how do you expect them to pass this test if, guess what, they've been out of that class for five or six 
you know, big class periods because they were testing in other classes. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so would a solution be like, what would be a good solution? I honestly don't have that answer. I mean, I could, I could tell you that like, they have the state tests that test in the major areas, in math, mm-hmm. science, reading, writing, that kind of thing. Or, I don't know, things like the SAT or the ACT, yeah. which around here, the school pays for all of the kids to take p- their PSATs and their SATs. So they have those big tests to measure by. Mm-hmm. So that's one option. But the flip side of the coin is that paper and pencil testing isn't always the best way to test a kid. So would you say, like, possibly, um, let's say a foreign language teacher, mm-hmm. instead of having a standardized testing made up by a group of people, maybe just having a teacher, like, at the end of, for instance, French 1, mm-hmm. saying, all right, you just have to be able to hold a conversation with me. Because then, obvi- then you're proving that you're in the, you've learned the basics of that language. Right. Um, would that be a better method or would pen and... So what you're talking about is called a performance evaluation. Yeah. And so basically you're looking to hit certain marks and they have to perform that task up to that standard. And for many subjects, performance evaluations work much better mm-hmm. than others. Performance evaluations don't always work well for like math, but they could you know, show me how you would work out this real life problem, this real life situation where you need math in five different ways. That could work really well. But the other thing about that kind of testing is some kids just don't paper pencil test well. They have really bad test anxiety or they just have a hard time getting that to paper. They could tell you all about it. They could show you how to do it. But then when it comes to that test, that's what it is. Or you have kids who, I don't know, I haven't eaten all week and today's a test day and it's seven o'clock in the morning and you want me to test and all I can think about is I'm hungry or that I don't have a place to live and their basic needs aren't met. But that one day is all you're testing them on, not the whole year. So paper and pencil testing can be good, but performance evaluations take time as well because they're more personalized, Mm -hmm. which with classes of 36 take a lot of time. So they work a lot better to reach some kids better than others. Mm -hmm. And paper and pencil tests work for some kids more than others. So I know some classrooms will give students the option of which which way they would prefer. Would you rather take this paper pencil test that is testing you on the same stuff? Or would you rather do this performance evaluation and show me that you can do those things just in a different way so i think if there were a perfect world where there was a smaller class size Mm -hmm. um and teachers really had time to work with kids more individualized or um have time to really i don't know assess them properly i think that those would give you more accurate results so would so giving teachers more time seems to be an ongoing thing because <laughs> yeah. you know you guys have no time and you guys take 
major breaks in between and stuff like that. I mean, I know that's mainly for the kids, um, you know, so they can spend time with their families and stuff like that. So in Florida, our schools do 180 days yes. of schooling, uh, mm-hmm. eight hours a day. Yeah. Would you, do you think that it would be better to extend the 180 days to say like 200 days or something like a small, you know, extension to make it, give you guys a little more time to make it that easy? Because I know you guys, like, teachers are forced, forced to stay after, you know, after the kids go on, like, summer break. You guys have to stay after for, like, the next two weeks or a week or whatever and well, work on It's usually, grades. like, a week before the kids get there and yeah. then, like, two or three days after the kids leave. And then the week before is to get your curriculum ready for the, the next you know yeah technically the semester and decorate the classroom and make it all pretty yeah (laughs) and then but i mean but do you feel that maybe if there was you know say add 20 more days of schooling that would make it easier for kids to have a more of a uh let's say better chance on passing their classes because a teacher would be able to make that extra effort say hey you know we're having you know we're not able to assess whether these kids are learning properly or not or they're learning to the best of their ability or i can't decipher the fact because they can't take these standardized testing yeah let's do performance testing and then you can like wing it with that or wing it um if i'm going to be honest yes i will tell you that i think in the u.s if we extended the amount of time that we or the amount the number of days that we had school i honestly think that it would still be broken because instead of keeping what we have and trying to make it better i think that what would happen is they would try to shove more into those extra days instead of spreading out and giving us time to i don't know get deeper into a subject to teach it instead of moving so quickly because you know we have kids at low levels and high levels all mixed into one class and sometimes you have to find that you know perfect balance to are you moving too slow or are you moving too fast and you don't want to leave um the kids that aren't getting it behind but you also don't want to bore the kids to death that understand it right away so it's hard to find that balance already as it is but i think if they gave us more time what would happen is they would be like all right well here's six more units you have to teach now shove that all in and we'll test you on that too yeah you know so realistically a problem i always had when i was in school is we had two months of summer break during that two months i noticed like there was things that (laughs) at the end of the school year math etc you know okay math was my hardest get the subject so like and but i would forget certain algebra uh equations equations mm-hmm. um just because i didn't like math i wasn't applying it during the summer so would uh, okay basically what i'm trying to ask would it be better if instead of taking two months off and like going away for two months yeah we, i know some other countries like they do like the two States? weeks off really states do year-round schooling we tried it in florida when i was in elementary school which was a very long time ago Uh, what was that like 50 60 years (laughs) (coughs) you can't do that on a podcast i'm sorry well i can't say it out loud Um, i can i could but i'm trying to maintain my professional reputation right now oh touche so 
<laughs> when I was in elementary school, we tried year-round schooling. We did mm-hmm. three weeks on, two weeks off. Okay. Or four weeks on, two weeks off, something like that. Mm-hmm. And what they found was that the, even those two weeks, kids were forgetting stuff, and you start, you know, that next set of, oh, three weeks on, you have to review a whole bunch of stuff, and then you get into stuff, you finish it up, and then you got two weeks off come back the kids forget stuff you spend time reviewing so so much more time was spent reviewing when you did it that way but like you're saying there's other countries like china where kids go to school six days a week yeah for a lot longer than we do every day um and they still have a break it's just not as long but i think sweden or switzerland one of those two has one like the best school systems in the country and they still have a break. So I think what really needs to happen is the people who are making decisions about mm-hmm. schooling need to go visit these other countries that are doing better than us and figure out what are they doing differently and how can we apply that to what we've got going on here to make it better. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's even simple things like those schools are safer. Yeah. And why what makes it so different is it just our society as a whole and our country or is it the way that they run their schools so that's really interesting to bring up because usually i have this view what works for other countries doesn't necessarily work for the u.s which can be true which can be true on a lot of things there's a lot of things that might work in a very homogenized country like china where everyone's chinese or in a Scandinavian country when, where everyone is a specific type. Right. The U.S. were this great melting pot. I think we're a tossed salad now. Okay. Watch it there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think for real. That's what we're, being, we're supposed to call ourselves now is a tossed salad. Because we don't mix and melt together. We still all have our differences, but like work well together. I think that's where it's coming from. Let's different have kind that of conversation salad. a different day. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyways, but I, our education, from my point of view, or my belief, is one thing that really doesn't change with whatever culture group you look at. Yeah. Learning is learning. Yes. Um, so if something's working really well in one country, to try it out in the U.S. where we used to be pretty high up there right mm-hmm. but now we're what 50 something in the world let's look well, okay in our own defense yeah korea is just super smart yeah but the like, thing is okay you're gonna you can look at the stereotype behind that. well or there's not can... really a stereotype it's just facts yes like i mean just like okay so regardless on like it being a stereotype or anything i mean <laughs> I think another aspect that those countries have that we don't is that they grade school up into a certain point. And then from then out, they decide what they want to do for the rest of their lives and they go out and branch. So like, say you wanted to be a mechanic. Yeah. Okay. Well then you can take, you know, at whatever age you can take a certain amount, like you can stop doing general eds and then you go learn how to be a mechanic and then after being a mechanic, if you go through that schooling, then you can go out and do real world stuff. 
It's things that kids want to do. I mean, there's yeah. like, I mean, I know in China, if you want to be a pop star, there's literally, a, once you're done with your gen eds, there's a school you go to to be a pop star. I mean, you have to like, I think audition to get in and stuff yeah. like that, but. Education rankings? Yes. You're right there. Yeah, yeah, sorry, okay. So, the United States in reading is 14th. Okay. In math is 25th. And in science is 23rd. Oof. Yeah. All those anti-global Mormon people really kind of fucked this over. <laughs> <laughs> Finland, um, yes. that's the country that I was thinking of that has amazing schools. They've done a documentary about it. Um, they're number two in reading and math and number one in science. Yeah. Them in Korea and New Zealand kind of like the three of them together. Of course, New Zealand. So, of course, New Zealand. Uh, again, country. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going back to what I said earlier, um, do you think it would be smart to look at some of these other countries? And we got fifty states in this country, mm-hmm. fifty districts that all do everything differently. Yes. Could we? Could we uh, possibly just be like, hey, this state, go ahead and try this. This state, try this, and possibly try a little of everything, see what works, and then go with it. So I'm sure that you could. But I think one of the major problems right now is that education is so different from state to state. Mm -hmm. And why? Like, why do I have kids that transfer from New York and are, you know, have already taken some of these classes, you know, they're in middle school, they've already taken, I don't know, like algebra two and they're here and they haven't even done pre-algebra yet. You know what I mean? Like, or why are some kids moving even from a county to county? And when they come from that county, they haven't covered a certain subject that we've already covered in the first half of the year, but they have covered another thing that we're doing in the second half of the year. Why, why isn't it more standardized? Not saying that every teacher in every math class should be teaching the same Mm -hmm. lesson every single day the same way. Because you have to teach to your kids. But, like, we should be teaching the same thing in the first quarter Mm -hmm. and the second quarter all over the country so that when kids move, because it happens, they do, they have that continuity of their education instead of them flip-flopping all over the place. Hmm. I suffered that when I was in high school, moving from South Carolina to Florida. I got completely screwed and my whole GPA was messed up. So, do, so do you think that, that has anything to pertain about the high education standards that Florida has compared to other states? Because at least what I remember, Florida had some of the highest standards for education. Anyone else, that's why we're not necessarily the smartest, quote unquote. Well, so I think a lot of that started with the No Child Left Behind Act, uh-huh. where everyone had to pass the state test no matter what no matter you know if they suffer intellectual disabilities or anything like that every kid had to pass this test i mean and we still kind of have that we just don't have the no child left behind act so it's it's not that the standards are high sometimes they're just not realistic you know if you have a kid with an iq of 52 they're not going to pass the same test as you know a kid um, in a regular mainstream class that 
you know, has no intellectual deficits. But so then they had loopholes where like, okay, well, then this kid could take um, what they call a portfolio and we'll do like one little thing at a time. We'll read this little story and you answer some questions. And if they pass that, then which is like a book of like 100, 200 things that they have to do Mm -hmm. to show that they know it, then they would pass. But still, there's just some kids who can't and who won't ever and that has to be worked into whatever system you have because not every single person is the same person and there are some kids that just won't pass especially the you know paper pencil tests or whatever but there are kids that if you look at them you know they may not be able to read at a third or fourth grade level by the time they graduate high school but you could teach them to function as a you know functioning member of society you can teach them how to you can teach them vocations and teach them how to um work in the real world how to you know balance their checkbook or at least find someone to help them balance their checkbook or teach them what money is and how to use it and how to get their change back you know things that they need for everyday life but they may not be able to pass these tests that you're trying to take so I don't think it's the standards are too high. I think sometimes they're just not realistic. Okay. So um, on the topic of testing, um, do you think that obviously our current testing system isn't working out well? No, it's not. Um, do you think a different type of testing as like a final test before you graduate high school should be more like the ASVAB than the – uh, in the state of Florida, we have FCAT. Right. Or, um, do you mind go ahead and explaining what ASVAB, ASVAB is? Oh, ASVAB is the ent- is the test you take right before you join the military. They um, they score you in I think eight or nine different fields, and they kind of it helps you pinpoint like if you score really well in one uh, field, then they're going to recommend that you go and do a mechanics job. If you are a better pencil paper tester and you're good with mathematics they're going to recommend you go work on a nuclear submarine right it's it really is there's no failing it well you can fail it but (laughs) (laughs) you have to get like a 31 which i took it before i got a 72 and i I don't think i'm the brightest guy you have to be pretty dumb to get lower than a 31 (laughs) but uh, maybe those just aren't the skills they're good at ronnie you have to be dumb about everything to get less than a 31. <laughs> I mean, but it asks you all different kinds of questions. Um, they show you, there's about 10 questions on the test where they show you shapes and they show you another shape and, there's, and they say, which of these shapes fit into this shape? Now, a good pencil tester is not going to be able to look at that and be like, oh, well, no, because they're, they're a, a pencil tester. They need like visual spatial. But, someone who's more towards the trade side and is good at working with their hands and putting things together can be like oh that's easy this goes here this goes here and bam and they might test really high on that right so would that be a good direction to go yes i think a more comp a test that's more comprehensive and maybe spread out over a few days Mm -hmm. so you have different data points okay um is more realistic um and like i said more comprehensive because like if you're testing in several different subject areas um or several different skill sets Mm -hmm. 
not even just this is the reading test and there's 250 questions on it go you know that's a lot at one time but if you can do eight or nine ten different categories that can demonstrate what you've learned over the course of those four years and on different days Mm -hmm. then I think and make it one comprehensive score or a score in each of those areas I think that's what they're trying to do with giving a test for like every subject Um, but each test for each subject is huge and so it's not really narrowing down the real necessities. It just is, have you learned every single thing that you've been taught this year to, you know, mastery so that you could go out and teach it or something? And I think it's, they're all too big. So if you had something that broke things down a little bit smaller over a few days, then you get those... I. You have those students who aren't just like, well, it was a really bad day for me. Yeah. You know, some students have a lot of bad days. You know, you're n- it's never going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. But it it, it's, it gets away from the, I had a really bad day. Yeah. And I didn't do well on this day. So I scored horribly in this whole thing. Hmm. I don't know. I think it's a possibility. Okay. Um, I don't think there's a perfect answer ever, though. Do you think... So what, what, what we're seeing nowadays is, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe tell me I'm wrong, um, there's two types of kids graduating high school. Mm-hmm. There's the ones that are going to college, and colleges are requiring higher GPAs, higher test scores, Yeah. and along with that, a higher <coughs> liability of debt and such like that, which we won't... Really get <laughs> it's into a whole other topic. It's a whole other topic. Um, and then you have the other type of high school graduate who's joining the military, going to a trade school, going straight out into the workforce. Um, but colleges are asking, from my point of view, and I graduated high school in 2015, colleges are asking the people coming into college to have a higher IQ um, and higher test scores and stuff like that. While people going into trades need more of like auto skills, skills like you know wood shop, etc. On their high school transcripts to be accepted into some of these higher level um, trade schools. So, do we really should we start looking at? teaching our kids two different ways because we have two different paths right now. David and I were actually just kind of talking about this. I don't know if it was last, a couple weeks ago, recently we were talking about this around here. We don't have the availability of kids taking many vocational classes in high school um, or having the option to go to a vocational school part of the day to get those skills because as a society, what we're asking kids to do is graduate high school and decide right away what are you going to do with the rest of your life. Terrifying. Terrifying. <coughs> and Terrifying. Again, not always realistic. Yeah. Okay. How many kids go into college and change their major five or six times, or many, or start college and decide <coughs> you know that's really not for me, so then I'm going to go off and join the military, or I'm going to go to this trade school, or I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to work at McDonald's, you know? Okay. Um, so 
I think that a lot of school systems that do have the option for students to, you know, take their core classes and as well go to a vocational school and have several different options for different vocations for them, I think those school systems do a lot better, perform better because those are realistic expectations for students. Yeah. Because, hey, I have an interest in cosmetology in fashion design and interior design i don't know what i want to do so let me take a class at the vocational school to see what i like and then i found out wow i don't really like any of this but that architecture class that i was able to take that was really cool and i can use my artistic design you know abilities and apply it there and that's what i got really interested in kids can start deciding their path and get certifications in these areas to be career ready or at least college ready maybe even you know trade uh, an actual trade school ready because they're getting these skills already we offer some classes like that around here but i think sometimes the classes are not always i think we're aiming for higher and higher achieving things like we have robotics and coding kind of classes which are awesome yeah but we're getting rid of classes like auto mechanics and wood shop and yeah. drafting and design and why because people need to be there needs to be someone to fix my car yeah you know, there needs to be someone who can build the addition on my house i don't know how to do that hmm. and they're waiting and waiting and longer and longer. And then those kids feel like failures when they're not failures. It's just their skill set isn't in, you know, engineering or something or in one of those college ready skills. Their skill set is in something vocational with their hands and all that stuff. Yeah. And kind of going off that a little bit, what's interesting is, okay, so my dad taught auto shop for 20, 30 years. Our dad. Our dad. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so... He, he would have these students that didn't do well in other classes, but in thought school wasn't for them. Went to his trade-based course of teaching auto mechanics, and set, and it kind of gave them hope in a way. Like it, it kind of showed them that you know there is a point to this whole education thing. So I, I'd be interested to see like has that affected how kids are performing in school because you don't have that motivation anymore you're just you're just not being successful in high school well you want to be successful in robotics okay you want to be successful in 3d printing because you're more of a trades kind of guy instead of a coding kind of person instead of a coding kind of guy but the way the schools are going nowadays i'm just uh, i guess basically what i'm asking is are students having a tough time ha- being hopeful about the future because they're not being introduced to these trades in high school? Short answer, yes. yes. Longer answer, I have kids all the time that come to me feeling like failures yes. because there are certain subjects or classes where they're not excelling mm-hmm. and maybe their GPAs are you know, 2.5 or they're struggling to get the 2.0 that they need to pass yeah. and they feel like a failure. But they're so good at so many other things. Mm-hmm. So the skills that they have, they're just not being tested on. Oh. 
they're getting graded and tested on skills that they don't have. Now, it's not to say that we shouldn't give kids a full spectrum of education. You know, we shouldn't just because a kid um, tends to be better with their hands doesn't mean we shouldn't teach them basic math and science and reading. You know, that's stuff that everybody can. Um, baby brain, I'm looking for a word. Um, that's something that everyone can um, use in their life. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's skills that they need. But those kids that come to me and feel so crappy about themselves because they're not doing well, or kids that are so smart, they just get so bored. Yeah. You know? And they know, you know, this is not what I'm going to do with my life. Like, I've already got jobs in this area, or I've been working at an auto shop for years because I already have those skills, you know? So they feel like a failure when they're at school. And mm. I feel like that's not okay. Yeah. I feel like we're missing those kids. Mm. And those kids are being left behind. Mm. So there has to be some way to reach them and there ha there needs to be programs and ways to teach those kids and letting them know that it's perfectly okay if what you decide to do with your life is not go to college yeah it's perfectly fine if you want to be an amazing functioning member of society who makes tons of money designing motorcycles mm -hmm. or you know doing body work um and painting cars or I don't know, designing um, furniture or, you know, decorating people's houses. Like, what's wrong with that? Tons of people make tons of money, I don't know, cutting hair. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. But you feel like you're a failure because, well, you're not very good at math and some topics in science you just don't get. So I think it's just they're being left out. They're being left behind and we're not reaching them. Yeah. And so then they feel like that and it makes me very sad. <laughs> So for someone like you, who's very well educated on <clears throat> how kids learn and, you know, so on and so forth, uh, and that whole subject, would it be beneficial for people like you to be on the school board? <laughs> or is that just something that's just, like, it's just, there's no hope at that point. Like, the school board's just going to screw everything up anyways. They'll have to tear it all down and build it back up again. So there's I mean, I'm, a great answer yeah. to that question. Um, so in a perfect world, your school board and your departments of education would all be made up of passionate educators who know what they're talking about when it comes to how kids learn and how to teach and the pedagogy of teaching, all of that good stuff. Perfect world, yes, it would be comprised of that, um, of all of those people. But then you also have to have those kinds of people in schools. In the United States, the profession itself is undervalued, so you're not attracting those people anymore. Recently, the rate of teachers quitting the profession has increased drastically. It used to be, when I started teaching, almost nine or ten years ago, it used to be one out of every five teachers would quit within their first five years. Now, I think that's high. Yeah. It's gotten even higher. 20%. And so teachers like me that are really passionate and, you know, have learned and gone to school to figure out how do people learn and how can we teach them 
in many different ways so that we can reach everybody, you know, it would be great to have those kinds of people making decisions. But then the problem is right now, you don't have enough of those teachers in classrooms either. So then you're not offering enough money to go through all of the not only political stuff, but some of the stuff that we have to deal with in classrooms. Um, so you're not pulling the right kind of people into the profession or the people who were giving it their all are so drained from all of the other stuff that happens um, in schools. So there's not enough of us. And I'm sure that there are enough of us in this country, you know, or in this world to do yeah. that with. But because of the trends that are happening in education, we're losing so many good teachers because those good teachers are like, I'm giving and giving and giving so much and I'm limited in what I can do Mm -hmm. or I'm giving and giving and giving so much and working 60, 70 hours a week and um, sponsoring two clubs and coaching a sport and I'm just getting my base salary that barely meets Mm -hmm. the federal threshold um, for the poverty line. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I think it's funny because, like, just, like, a quick side note to that. I think it, I just think it's funny because every time we talk to somebody and, you know, I mean, we've gone out, like, before and you've been like, oh, I'm a teacher. And they're like, oh, you should get paid, like, doctors and surgeons. Okay, well, it's funny that we all think that. But isn't it funny how nobody actually acts on it? Yeah. The only people that do act on it are teachers. And every time they get acted on, they you guys act on it. You're like, well, the government, no matter where you are, goes, well, your job's really not that important and we can replace you. And it's like, Uh, you're right. You can replace us, but we're the ones that are actually making a difference in the world. Like, I mean, I'm not a teacher. I mean, I'm speaking on behalf of teachers and I do apologize for that. But, um, but like, it's just, I find it ridiculous that, you know, it's, you know, you expect a teacher to work 80 hours a week. Um, you know, outside of school, sponsor clubs because they have to be sponsored by a teacher, you know, to coach a sport because they have to be coached by at least some sort of a teacher. I mean, they can outsource for that, but like schools don't want to pay for outsource and it's, there's no money in the budget for it because there's never money in the budget for it. And like, I understand that, you know, schools get a certain budget to pay for certain things, but they never pay, but there's some things that go, like, I remember we were in school and it was like, one like each graduating class buys a new thing for like the school that we went to yeah talking to ronnie and it's like our school bought like when i graduated my school bought like all the teachers like a teacher lounge yeah and it's like okay that's nice but like and i'm sure the teachers loved it but maybe the teachers didn't need that lounge that nobody used because i'm pretty sure they put it next to the principal's office so he could use it (laughs) and um or she whoever's there now i don't even but, um, you know, it's like they put it next to the principal's office. So, like, one, it's not advertised for all teachers to use because it's not in a general spot where all teachers can go to. And on top of that, it, maybe those teachers would have liked that money in their pockets instead. Like, I mean, and they get, you know, you guys get, uh, what, bonuses for, you know, being an A-plus school and so on and so forth, right? In this state. Yeah. In this state. Well, okay, yeah. in Florida, They're like they a couple that. hundred bucks, yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, isn't a whole ton. And, I mean, I guess it's a good incentive, but, I mean, it's not the best incentive. Like, you're going to make a couple hundred bucks 
the year after I did a good job. Like, was it like halfway through the next Yeah, but even then, that that's flawed because depending upon where you are and the kids that you have, mm-hmm. maybe the kids, you're from like a really poor area and your school doesn't have the resources that other schools have or, yeah. or your kids don't have the resources and they're mm-hmm. all worried about, like I said earlier, being hungry or where am I going to sleep? Those ki- those schools definitely are not going to do yeah. as well as a school that has the resources and um, has kids that... Are, or has less kids that are homeless and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's even then it's not fair. So um, would it be a fair assumption that we look at schools too much like a basic corporation instead of like a second home? Yes. Yeah? But even if we look at schools like a corporation, the corporation doesn't have any funding. Yes. <laughs> we if there's not another reason why we have those long breaks mm-hmm. is because it costs money to run a school yeah. and we're saving that money by having two and a half months throughout the whole year almost three months off of school because every day you have the school open it costs money one thing um but in in a lot of other countries Education is funded more mm-hmm. because education is prized more. It's an investment. Right. It well, definitely is an investment. Great economic investment. It, yeah. yeah, but I mean, it, it's not treated that way. Yeah. I mean, you got all these grants and scholarships and stuff, but what? that's for, like, college and stuff. What are we, we – but we're not even setting up a good, like, high school and middle school and mm-hmm. elementary school. And, you know – if I'm a teacher in an area with less resources, I could write grants, mm-hmm. like apply for grants to get things, you know, like some more technology in my classroom or something. Um, it's a drop in the bucket, but it's something. But I sometimes can't get that funding for my school. I've worked in schools before where there's not even enough money to have, you know, more than one computer in the classroom or um, furniture that the kids can sit in and fit in without breaking you know furniture that's safe or you know things like wi-fi now where the kids can access it on their own devices you know i don't know i've worked in schools before that just don't have enough funding for some of the basics that i've come to know and love in the other schools that i've been in and that does change how the kids are educated and the resources that they have um I think that it's actually going to be a nice segue to this next question. Um, do you feel that technology nowadays, because everyone's got a smartphone, mm-hmm. um, that technology takes away from the classroom um, in a way? That answer is twofold. I think that it can take away from the classroom environment, but I think it can be a great tool to the classroom environment. There are so many amazing things out there that you can used to enhance your teaching and enhance kids learning through technology but i think sometimes technology becomes a hindrance or a crutch it depends on how you're using it and how you're facilitating the education in the classroom because you know in some classrooms you can put kids on the computers and say work on this and they're not getting much out of it because it's just like book work but on a computer. Yeah. 
And in other classrooms, you see completely flipped classrooms where you've got kids um, answering questions by um, answering it on their phone and it everybody can see populated data that comes up on the screen or um, you can do things like interact with your kids and say, oh, I see how you're, you know, working out that math problem. I'm going to work it out or fix something that you did wrong on my tablet and it's going to go straight to your tablet and you can see where you went wrong and I can touch your paper without actually touching your paper. Yeah. And, you know, some of those things work really well i mean there's even behavior management stuff that you can do where you can give your kids a high five or something or like five kids a high five at the same time without actually touching them (laughs) um but they can see it pop up on their screen and they get that little like oh i did really good you know so like the satisfaction of getting a certain amount of likes on like an instagram post or something yeah and so it can be very very useful and it can enhance their learning and if they can walk up to the board and work out a problem and they can manipulate the things that they've done you know take the shape that i did and manipulate the angles and you know find the cosine of another angle because they can manipulate it and turn it around and move it that's even more than they can do with their paper yeah and so it becomes more fun for them a and two they can move things around in a way that works better for them Hmm. so those it helps to reach kids of all different um learning styles and all different you know levels so what you're saying to sum it up is that it rather used rather than teaching kids to use technology as a crutch have teach them to use as a tool and use as a tool in your classroom to 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 curve them from you know staying in their phone the entire time well because like i'm not just that, but like, yeah, the if you're going to use it in your classroom, the teacher has to be the one to facilitate it correctly. Okay, got the, it. Because the teacher has to be the one that controls that. And are you using the right technology to meet the needs of your kids? Which would be more funding to teach teachers, because you know not everyone's you know young like right. you are or like some other teachers, and you know they need more know education on how to use these systems yeah so then it would be more money and then there's no money plus the money to get to that technology and all this other yeah i get it it's an ongoing circle that we could talk about this for hours but unless we have a solution for it um so idea that popped into my head since kids respond so drastically to like social media type settings Mm -hmm. would it be i don't know i want to say obtuse to have a social media school beneficial beneficial yeah thank mm-hmm. you uh, to be have beneficial to have a school that was kind of not resembled around social media but it was so like kind of like an online school where like you would virtual you know, yeah like a, a virtual school mm-hmm. but it was all basically run mm-hmm. something like facebook or snapchat or instagram we're like oh hey i did this here's my here's how i did a good job like i mean i know i personally every time i get a good grade in school like i post about it and (laughs) i like send videos to everyone i'm like oh i did this or i'll be like oh my god i worked all month on this project and i busted my ass and i'm so happy i get to submit it and like it may not be like i just submitted i posted something about submitting a mixed project that i had to turn in for class and it was, I got an 83 on it. Well, I'm damn proud I got an 83 on it because I worked so damn hard on it. It wasn't 100, but I know I did a good job and I was proud to show off that I did that. And, you know, I mean, so, so, social media is such a, you know, 
part of our lives now that it's one i mean we can say all that we want that we're not going to touch it but i mean like i mean i hit facebook what once every or twice a year roughly i'll go on it for like a good hour and then i'm done like i hate facebook i just i don't like it it doesn't make any sense to me but if we were to take that same technology and use it to teaching and use it in an educational setting where you know kids also had a little more freedom you know to be kids because i feel nowadays that we live in a society where you know if you're not doing this you're doing this one thing wrong you are an outcast i mean and that might also help with like the whole cyber bullying thing like you know and teach kids that like you can be mean and not be a bully like because that's an ongoing like conception of kids that you are a, like if you're the slightest mean to someone automatically you're a bully well maybe not maybe i'm just mean like in this one setting because you pissed me off and i'm not bullying you i'm just telling you that you're an idiot for doing that one thing other than that we're cool but like nowadays like you say like hey man that was really stupid of you you shouldn't have done you really should have thought that through a little bit bully you're now a bully and now you're outcasted because you're a bully and now you become a bully for which is great yeah. for when they go into the workforce and their boss tells, tells them, hey, you're kind of an idiot. Yeah, well, I, I think I think I kind of got off on a little bit of a tangent there because, no, well, yeah, but I mean, but that's an exact thing too. Yeah. Like, you know, you have a boss and, you know, I mean, I really hate to say it, but some of these kids nowadays are super fragile. But um, but I, I don't think that has anything to do with education, which is not what we're talking about. That has a lot to do with other things. Um, but educational-wise, do you think like a social media school would be beneficial to like one incorporate technology and two incorporate the already you know satisfaction that these kids get from getting likes and getting you know uh, uh, retweets. That's yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> that was like the longest question ever. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think taking some of the aspects of social media and bringing them into education works really well. I also think that some kids do better in a virtual setting where they can learn on their own and pace themselves on their own instead of in a classroom setting with 30 some odd other kids um, taught by one teacher with one teacher style. So I think yes, because when you have kids learning something virtually, if they could learn from many different sources so that they're taught in many different ways, they're going to find that they're learning the information um, in multiple ways from multiple perspectives so that they can learn in a way that suits them. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, when you have that social aspect still, like one reason we have public school is for socialization. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you have that social aspect, I mean, we have all the video cameras now on our phones and our laptops and everything. So, you know, the interaction can still happen. And even, you know, meeting as groups once in a while is still very beneficial. But if you can bring in some of those aspects, you know, hey, this is my work and you can get tons of positive reinforcement on it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I think when you get tons of negative reinforcement because kids aren't necessarily taught how to um, give constructive feedback, um, that's where it becomes a problem. Um, just use the rise model. <laughs> um, but like or just that the positive aspects of it are yes great but we have to teach kids how to do that and we have to teach kids how to function in that kind of setting but there are tons of benefits from 
social media that we can bring into the educational setting virtually or in, you know, face-to-face classrooms. So would a, oh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. You said something, the last like four sentences you said, can you just repeat that? Sure, you want to play it back? (laughs) I guess I could. (laughs) No, I can't remember. It was one thing that you said that sparked my idea that it left. Okay, think about that for a second. I will. I thought Ronnie had something to say. Um, Okay. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Actually, so let's come up with a theoretical social media platform that would be beneficial to students. I mean, there already is one. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to advertise for them or anything, but... You can write it down right here and tell me. But would... I mean, I imagine if you had something like Reddit, for instance, where kids could be uh, like, hey, this is really cool. Like, everybody check this out. So And you just yeah. share, like, little Yeah, well, I used to use a site like that yeah. in my class, like, in my teaching. Yeah. Like, I required it um, until we were told that we had to use this other specific site so the site that i used i used to basically say that it was like you know the platforms i know blackboard used to be used a lot Mm -hmm. so it was like blackboard and facebook got together and had a baby so it was a platform where you could post assignments and students could turn them in and they can turn them in where everyone could see them or they could turn them in where they were private um students could post things like on their walls you know they had to be regulated because kids these days but they could like them they could put smiley faces i mean they um could also post their own stuff like you could have this kid well you're gonna teach about this you're gonna do all the research and everything and then you're gonna make a lesson about this and you're gonna post it for everyone to see and everyone's going to respond to you and you're gonna have a discussion so one of those sites does exist and it's really really great um and it even looks like facebook so that kids were you know used to using it yeah it's something that you know they could relate to because they already know how to use it um so it was a really good system like that um but then again mandated to use something totally different that only hit the mark kind of like blackboard so it got rid of some of those other things and you could use it now, but you're like, now you're asking a kid to use this site that's required by the school plus five or six other sites to help enhance them. And after a while, they're like, what's my login for this? What's my login for this? How do I get onto this? How, you know, which one am I doing it on? And this kind of let you do all of those things in one place. You could post, okay go and do this activity on this website right on the wall. So all they had to do was click and it was very comprehensive. Mm -hmm. So do you think that one of the reasonings as to why they stopped using this site that was like a blackboard and Facebook like had a baby thing. Mm -hmm. You think one of the reasons why they stopped doing that was because parents were like, I don't get it. Because, I mean, it wasn't until, what, like, maybe a month or two ago, maybe six months, that my mom got a Facebook. Like, neither of my parents oh. have social media. And, like, my mom has, like, two friends on Facebook. She's got the mobile app now. She's got the mobile app? Yeah. Oh, no. Her three friends all posting pictures of their doggos. It's great. Her three friends all posting pictures of their doggos. Um, but 
basically, do you think that it was the parents that were like, yo, I can't, I don't understand this because I'm assuming so. they had access. They no. did. They even had their own accounts. Oh, okay. So they could log in and see what was going on. Um, I don't think that it was that. I think that it was that that website wasn't feeding data back to the school district okay. and wasn't controlled by the school district. Mm-hmm. They couldn't do what they wanted to do with it. Mm-hmm. So instead, we're using a website that the school district themselves has control over, can see everything on, can access everything on, yeah. um, instead of that. I mean, we were allowed to use both before. I mean, we still can use this, but it's like double dipping. You know, mm-hmm. half the stuff that we could have done on that old website, we can do on the new website. And that's the stuff that they want to see us doing. Yeah. But the positive aspects of the Facebook Blackboard Made a Baby website kind of disappeared when you went to this standardized, again, standardized is the word, um, the standardized system. And I get it. For some reasons, you know, the school district wants to have access so that they can see everything that's going on for safety reasons and that kind of stuff. Yeah. 100% get. But where do you give teachers responsibility. Gotcha. Yeah. Which apparently don't give you any. But they give us tons of responsibilities. Well, that's right. Just but not they, the right. they don't just trust us. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is, what I think that trust? goes across the board. Yeah. Like every, like all school districts across the yeah. United States have that issue. Right. Um, I mean, sometimes there's a reason. I mean, there's a lot of teachers that get in trouble for doing stupid things. Yeah. Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I don't have anything. Yeah. Um, I think that ends my questionings. Yeah, no, we covered a lot of good stuff today. A lot yeah. of my questions got answered. Yeah. No problem. Thanks thank for... You, thank you for coming on, Kim. Yeah. So, um, I'm definitely... I, I think it's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Uh-huh. So, um, is there anything that you wanted to add to this? Before we let you go. Pay me more money. <laughs> and that's a shout out to teachers everywhere. For teachers everywhere. Um, so with that being said, um, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you, Kim, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, you were a lot of help and idea for us. And um, Ronnie would have like to say a couple things before we go. <laughs> Okay, so I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Uh, We are looking for advertisers. If you have a small business or a large business, we'd we'd love to have you on the show. Um, We can definitely find an advertisement fee that's within your budget. You can go ahead and give us a contact. You can go ahead and contact us at rebelsdenpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be changing fairly soon, though, and we'll keep you updated on that. Can you say that again a little slower? Rebelsdenpodcast podcast at gmail.com that was our original name yeah anyways that's all folks um have a good day i'm david and i'm ronnie and you just listened to the david and ronnie show